0: It's not what I want to talk about, actually. I had a memory this past week, and it's connected, you'll see how I get there, but uh, I had a memory this past week, and I forget how many years ago it was. If you remember, remind me, but I remember that there was a Shabbat morning in the midst of the two or three year term of Rob Ford being mayor of the city. And it was right, right in the middle of the hot mess that it was and um, I spoke publicly from the pulpit in particular of two items that I felt were worthy of criticism. And uh, at that time, after I finished my sermon, not very long after, uh, I heard some criticism given at me. Subsequently, there was one or two emails that came my way that it was wrong for me to use the pulpit to criticize a political leader. It's important to note, of course, that religious institutions that have charitable status in Canada are not allowed to um, endorse political candidates. If you do, you are in serious danger of losing your not-for-profit status. But there is a big space between endorsing political candidates and criticizing people. And what I want to suggest to you is that the tradition of criticizing political leaders is a long and worthy tradition, particularly in Judaism, but I want to also suggest to you that it should be a religious tradition. Before I begin, actually, I want to say a few words. (laughs) There was also a long-standing tradition when I was growing up that rabbis, as a matter of Course would give political discourses every Shabbat. I don't. And part of the reason why I don't is because the rabbis from 30 or 40 or 50 years ago, when they stood at the pulpit and spoke, most of the people that they were speaking to needed to understand America or Canada. They came from foreign countries and they needed this world translated for them. This is not the kind of world we live in anymore. The kind of world that we live in, the people that I speak to, aren't foreigners to this country. They know this country, its system, intimately well. They don't need rabbis to translate the world that they live in. They need rabbis to translate Judaism for them. That having been said, there are moments in life when we find the intersection between the two of them. And it's worthy of pointing it out. I want to say to you, that there's a number of things that the Tanakh, the Torah, radically revolutionized the world on. And there's one of them I want to point out to you this morning. The tradition of political criticism, of pointing out and criticizing people in power, is one of the gifts that the Torah brought to human civilization. Well, long before the Torah came on the stage of human affairs, we know We know that leaders, political leaders, were considered to be like gods. In other words, they were above and beyond criticism. Leaders, we know, from Mesopotamia, Samaria, Egypt, the pharaohs, were all considered to be divine beings, children of the gods themselves. And as a result, they were considered to be infallible, they couldn't make mistakes. But along comes the Torah, and what does it say? And we read it over and over again. In particular, in the Sefer and the book that we read this morning. Sefer Tevarim, the book of Deuteronomy. Over and over again, we find the warnings about power, about limiting political power. We find the warnings about criticizing, ensuring that there is criticism brought to political leaders. And in fact, if you look, over and over again, the Tanakh, the Torah, when it speaks about our leaders, does it frame them in altruistic, flattering narratives? No, the opposite. All of the great leaders of Jewish tradition that we read about in the biblical record, what we read about them are not the great things they did but of the things that were broken inside of them. Moses is most remembered. Yes, he brought the Torah to us. But Moses is most remembered for the failures in his life. That he was a man who struggled to speak, a man who initially refused the mission given to him by God, the man who was left on the other side of the Jordan River who could not enter into the Promised Land David is known not only for his poetry and his military cunning but David is known for his deep moral failings and his failure as a father. King Saul is remembered by us not only as the first king of the people of Israel but a man who horribly succumbed to the deepest nightmares he had about himself he crushed under the weight of his own self-doubt. In each and every step, we find a willingness, an openness, a necessity to look at the leaders and see them as human. And why is that important? That is important because human beings, I'm speaking about myself, we don't like criticism. And that's the reason why the Torah says you must criticize. I'll give you some examples. Men turn around when they're criticized by their wives. Ah, oh, Typical women complain, wives. Wives complain about their husbands and say, ah, oh, man, the husband is what they always say. Our children complain about us and go, ah, oh, the kids again. In other words, any time that you can stereotype a criticism given against you, it is the laziest of attempts at dismissing it. Because when you stereotype a criticism, what are you saying? It's them and not you. We see this play out in other ways as well. Down in the States in particular, where there is um, a significant movement against racism and protests. There's one spectrum of the political movement that is saying it's the left that's doing it. And then there's another side that says the right is causing this, but it all disassembles the fact that there is a legitimate need to pay attention to something that is very broken and very wrong in that country, and by extension probably in most European cultures. In Israel, if you have been paying attention, for months there have been a series of massive weekly protests going on against the Israeli government and in particular the Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu. He would like you to think and me to think that this is the continuing story of the left and the media against him. The problem is, is that that's not true. The stereotyping of the protests against him is a lazy and disassembled attempt at making the reason for the protest about the protesters and not what they're protesting against. Hundreds of thousands of people in Israel have lost their businesses because they botched and fumbled management of dealing with the coronavirus. Israel's initial successes in the first few months have now left Israel from a green country to a terrible red country. On a daily basis, there are nearly at least a thousand new infections every day. And in particular, most of the country is of the opinion that the reason why this has arrived at this point is because you have a prime minister who is not only dealing with a pandemic, and for the record, no one ever gets an A-plus when you deal with a pandemic. Maybe you get a B, maybe. If you handle it really well, you get a B. No one gets an A. But Israel now is dealing with a D or an F. You have a prime minister who's dealing with three criminal indictments against him and at the same time trying to manage a pandemic, and he's not doing a good job. Hundreds of thousands of people have lost their businesses. The country still doesn't know yet if they're going to be open for the school year. And so the criticism put against him is not because it's the left or the media, but because there is legitimate complaints against him. The story of religious tradition is the story of us understanding that the point and purpose of our life is not to be reminded of the things that we do well, of what is good inside of us. But the purest and truest of religious traditions not only tell us that we're inherently good, but but the religious tradition also reminds us that we can do better. And the way that we approach ourselves as better is by hearing the things that we don't do right. Not to knock us down, but to bring us up. In the words of a wonderful German Lutheran theologian, his name was Reinhold Niebuhr, he said it better. He said that if there is no difference between what your God asks for from you and what you ask for from yourself, if there is no difference between what you think God thinks and what you think, then you're not worshiping God. You're worshiping yourself. The greatest of religious traditions that Judaism embraces so beautifully is the idea that there is a gap between what you are and what God wants you to be. And our faith deeply believes that you can be closer to what we should be. Shabbat shalom, everyone. And Hunter, a mazel tov. You did a beautiful job.